Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Day Football Podcast. This is episode 7. Yesterday we spoke about Manchester United, Atletico Madrid and Monaco. If you haven't checked them out, make sure you jump over to iTunes or Acast to listen to it or of course watch it on YouTube at, of course, Statman Dave. But anyway guys, today we're going to be talking about the future replacement of Michael Carrick at Manchester United and then we're going to move on to do some Champions League previews and some Europa League previews for the Wednesday's game. So, hold your horses, let's get this party started! Right, on to the news. Uh, first up, we've got to talk about Arsenal beating Sutton United. Two goals to nil to book their place in the quarterfinals of this season's FA Cup, where they will in, face, they will in fact face Lincoln City. Theo Walcott scored his 100th goal of his career, taking him 10 years. For a player that had such promise at 16 years old, it's been a bit slow for the England international. But 100 goals, credit to him. I think he's been hampered by injury over his career, switching of positions and uh, potentially consistency. Always been an issue from Theo Walcott because he had the raw potential to be a top top, top class world star. He hasn't quite got there, I would say, personally. He's at a, a decent level, but he's not at the excellent level. But anyway, moving on to Pygate. Uh, that is the Sutton um, United goalkeeper Wayne Shaw eating a pie in the dugout during the game on the 83rd minute. This apparently was a publicity stunt uh, that, were, that was pulled behind the, behind the scenes by some bets. Which unfortunately, because they were offering a market um, for Wayne Shaw to eat a pie at the bench, potentially goes against the Gambling Commission. As someone that has um, spent some time writing a gambling licence, they are very, very strict there. So potentially you'll see a massive fine for some bets and potentially for uh, revoking their gambling licence. Because the Gambling Commission that regulates uh, gambling in Britain says they will look into whether there was an irregularity in the betting market, established whether the operator has met its licence requirements to conduct its business with integrity. Potentially that is going against those rules right there. So it could be an interesting one for um, Wayne Shaw and, of course, for the Sun bet. Everyone loves the Sun not. But anyway, moving on to Owen Coyle being sacked as Blackburn manager following the defeat to Manchester United. It was always an uphill battle for Owen Coyle, who'd previously managed at Burnley, um, Blackburn's great rival, and of course Wigan in the local area. So potentially it was just a, a step too far for Owen Coyle. I thought, the, thought his side, as I mentioned yesterday, played quite well against Manchester United, especially in that first half. So unfortunately Owen Coyle, again, isn't looking for a job. 
Breaking news as well out of Italy. Um, Benucci apparently has been left out of the squad to face the Juventus squad to face Porto in the Champions League, which could be a big blow for their, you know, their Champions League hopes. Benucci had a massive argument with Allegri um, at the end of the game against Palermo, who, uh, you know, it was a bit of a confrontra- confrontation. Allegri reportedly called. Um, Benucci some naughty words uh, basically a Johnson head we don't want to have anything naughty on this podcast because it's for children amongst everyone else so he called him a Johnson head um, then was told by Benucci to go to hell it was a heated debate following his substitution um, and Allegri's made a statement after that that he bought off him Dybala because they had cramp so it was a, a tactical thing or more of a tactical thing to avoid injuries in the, in the next leg uh, or the, ne- the first leg of the, the big clash against Porto but now in fact Benucci is out of that leg and will um, serve a suspension an internal suspension from Juventus and has been fined a number of euros for the altercation Allegri making that statement that nobody is above the coach he is the champ in there interesting though obviously been linked heavily with Arsenal and there were questions and, and people asking whether Allegri would move to Arsenal at the end of the season following this row um, with you know Yardim linked with a move to Juventus that's the Monaco boss so there could be some interesting managerial changes um, up and coming in Europe uh, in the close it's sort of in the off season with Wenger being rumoured to be potentially walking out of Arsenal so maybe we'll do a, a little bit of a podcast on that and who can replace Wenger and, and the merry-go-round of managers in European football and where certain managers will go but anyway moving on to the last bit of sad news and the subreddit our soccer streams has been closed down but it's not been closed down it's been moved to a website and the moderators on that subreddit have said that it'll be easier to control the streams and what's the best quality and you know the bannings and so forth so it's good for the footballing community but of course me personally I watch all my football uh, legitimately on great packages such as BT Sports and Sky Sports and the BBC. Anyway, moving on. It's transfer talk time, and it's time to talk about who is going to replace Michael Carrick at Manchester United. This has come from your guys' questions. There's been a lot of questions in the comments on Twitter. Who should replace Michael Carrick at Manchester United? So hopefully I can give you some of uh, my thoughts about what United should do to replace the England international and potentially Man United legend. Michael Carrick has been at United for a number of years now, signing from... um, from Tottenham Hotspur in about 2004 under Sir Alex Ferguson and has really become a stalwart of this United team. In terms of the impact uh, this season, it's been pretty big. When Michael Carrick has played for Manchester United in the Premier League, they've gone on to win 64% of their games compared to when he's not played, they've only won 43% of their games. So they're getting a a 21% boost when Carrick is on the pitch. But in terms of what he's done for Manchester United, when I spoke to Rio Ferdinand uh, just over a year ago, uh, that video is available on my YouTube channel if you want to go and check it out. It's a, a good interview. I'd have to say there's a lot that I found out from Rio Ferdinand that I always wanted to ask him in terms of Carlos Kiros, uh, you know, players that he rates him in European football right now. So make sure you go and check that out. It's on my YouTube channel in the special section. It was a full-time Devils video, so also go and give those guys a subscription because they are top lads. But anyway, in terms of what he said about Michael Carrick, is he said that when he played with Michael Carrick, he always felt safe. He always felt that Michael Carrick positionally was perfect. You know, he, you know, Michael Carrick would be there, he'd be telling you where uh, the opposition is, where he's going to stand, where you should stand. And I think that showed, and that showed for United this season in terms of when Michael Carrick plays. Obviously, the win percentage is reflective, but he's, he's got such good command. 
calmness. He just is, you know, he's one of my favourite players that United have ever had at the football club just because of his ability to read the game and play those forward passes. And that is a big strength of Michael Carrick. The ability to not just break up attacks, not just to read the game, make the interceptions, positionally be perfect, but also play those forward passes. You know, you, you speak of the, the top players in European football in the last few seasons, the top midfielders, the likes of Xavi, Iniesta. They always, high, they always hold Michael Carrick in such high regard. The Spanish Busquets, and that is a massive thing, obviously, Busquets being the best sort of recycling um, midfielder in the European game at the moment. That is, that is sort of, you know, high honours. Him and Paul Scholes were fantastic in the in United midfield when they were dominant from, you know, in around 2007 when they won the Champions League. And then again when they got to the finals in 2011 and then again the second one against Barcelona. Michael Carrick was in those sides the second time obviously partnering Ryan Giggs another lovely combination of holding midfielder and Michael Carrick um, sorry Ryan Giggs becoming uh, cultured uh, and being that central midfielder spreading the passes around and that was a really good United team Wayne Rooney off Javier Hernandez but again Michael Carrick a key cog in terms of what he's won for Michael Carrick uh, in terms of what he's won for Manchester United he's pretty much won everything um, in terms of uh, the European Cup in terms of the Premier League and uh, it's just a fantastic thing winning the Premier League five times the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Community Shield six times, the Champions League in 2007-2008 and became a world champion with Manchester United again in the FIFA Club World Cup. And in terms of what he's done and, and his legacy at United, I think he, what he'll leave is, is a hole in the side in terms of what he is. Obviously, he recycles the ball very well, but also he can break up play. And that's what United are going to have to replace. They're going to have to potentially evolve the side. Do you think of what United did after... Um, Cristiano Ronaldo moved on. They signed Antonio Valencia, but they changed their system up. It was no longer about the Portuguese sensation, creating goal-scoring opportunities for him um, when he played as a wide forward, but it moved on to creating for Wayne Rooney. The likes of Valencia came in as a replacement, replaced quite well in terms of assists, and obviously Nani stepped up. But the system was then built around um, Wayne Rooney playing a sort of false nine and a 4-5-1 or uh, a 4-4-2 with Dimitar Berbatov up front with him. But I feel in that side it, it got it worked because they didn't look for a like for like Ronaldo replacement. Similarly, when Wayne Rooney retires, United won't look for a like-for-like placement. I think they should evolve the side, sign someone like Antoine Griezmann, and then the next upgrade of Wayne Rooney, obviously a massively better player right now, but in terms of Wayne Rooney in his prime was a fantastic footballer, could work very, very hard, could play attacker midfield, left midfield, uh, right midfield, striker, was so good on the counter-attack and very, very good at taking the game by the scruff of the necks in his prime. Antoine Griezmann will give United something else, a hybrid of a goal scorer in an attacker midfield, swap running from deep. So what United need to do with Michael Carrick going back to our original topic is potentially look for either one of two players either look for a deep line playmaker that's good at breaking up play that's good at um, you know winning tackles and winning the ball back in the deep zone then spreading the play to the likes of Paul Pogba and the attacking four in front or potentially look for someone that is an all-round destroyer that is just going to win the ball back through interceptions through being aggressive and then keep his pass completion quite simple just ship the ball to Paul Pogba and let Paul Pogba play to feel like Manchester United next season Mourinho will switch to the 4-2-3-1 this season with Michael Carrick in the side they've played a 4-3-3 with Michael Carrick as a holding midfielder and what he's given the two players that have usually played ahead of him and the Herrera and Paul Pogba the licence to get forward but also given them that security and that ability to play forward and get the attack started. So I feel United will transition from that 4-3-3 to, in fact, the 4-2-3-1 with Paul Pogba partnering somebody in midfield. That's how I see United uh, pushing forward. We've seen Henrik Mkhitaryan play as a number 10 and play as a number 10 very, very well for Jose, for Jose and Mourinho with the two um, players behind him, you know, be it Fellaini, Pogba, Herrera or so forth. 
So anyway, let's look at the replacements for Michael Carrick, um, starting in the club, because there are a few players in there that potentially could step up and become the next Michael Carrick. First up, it's got to be, let's talk about Daley Blind, who hasn't actually featured there for Jose Mourinho, featured more at left-back, but sort of nailed down that left-back uh, spot for Jose Mourinho and started to you know, get a bit of trust from the, from the Portuguese manager. But what he could do at defensive midfield, of course, is, is Regan the player has always been fantastic, you know, playing defensive midfield for Ajax, uh, won the, the player of the year in there at the Vizzi just before moving to Manchester United at DM. Um, so his reading of the play is very, very good. That's always been a big strength. What he learned at centre-half as well, I felt like playing centre-half under Louis van Gaal was a great learning curve for uh, Daley Blind in terms of when to be physical with uh, a player like Lukaku, when to stay off. Um, make the right challenge time your challenge perfectly when he's playing someone like Aguero two players that he had in his back pocket last season when playing centre off so I feel like potentially he could definitely step up and play defensive midfield to kill you know an attacking midfielder use that experience that he's got being a centre back in terms of his strengths obviously it's playing forward and the ball at his feet a fantastic footballer uh, when he played centre off as well he evolved his game the question marks that I had when he played defensive midfield for Lou Van Gaal is he kept it a little bit too safe his, his passes were a little bit too square a little bit too easy passes and I want to see more direct passes but when he moved to centre-back, his game evolved and he played a lot more forward passes, he completed more forward passes that season than any other Manchester United player in the Premier League, so he has that potential to step up to be the Michael Carrick um, player that can read the game and play those forward passes, sort of like the, the, the deep-line playmaker United need to replace the uh, former England international but moving on, other players that could replace him, Fosu Mensa, the young Dutchman, has shown a lot of potential coming through the United Academy. A lot of good performances in central or defence midfield for them, those guys there. Um, you know, played more of a, a shuttler role for those guys. So you know, tying him down to a DM role. Could give him, uh, you know, could evolve him a little bit more. Could give him a little bit more responsibility. But I'm not sure where uh, Timothy's going to play. You know, he's looked good at right back in spells. The game against Tottenham. Um, keep going back, back to that as a great game for him. But yeah, he showed great ability to read the game, aggression in the tackle that could work out very well in defensive midfield. But for me right now, I feel like he just needs to play a little bit more football, being a utility player before he nails down this position because he could be a right back, could be a DM, could be a central midfielder, could even be a centre back. He's got the height and the aggression to play there as well. So with uh, Timothy, I don't know where he's. Quite going to play yet but defensive midfield could be the option but I don't feel next season as soon as Carrick goes in playing Timothy might be a little bit step too far for the young Dutchman which leads us on to Ander Herrera who has played in defensive midfield for Manchester United this season and has played partnered Paul Pogba um, in central midfield and their relationship is really starting to blossom they're really starting to look good uh, you go back to the game against uh, Leicester City the game against Watford um, the game in the second half against Saint-Étienne when they played sort of together in central midfield they, they look like they're starting to get a real good understanding of who presses who drops back when they've played in the 4-2-3-1 as a 2 they're starting to find the relationship in terms of Paul Pogba going forward and being that link man but also dropping back and getting on the ball and Ander Herrera pressing at the right time but holding at the right time the stats that really sort of jump out to you in terms of the relationship going quite well each of the games where Ander Herrera has partnered Pogba in this 4-2-3-1 in central midfield has he's, he, Ander Herrera has won more tackles and made more interceptions than sort of any other player on the pitch in those games which is a stat that you want to see Ander Herrera doing if Paul Pogba is going to be the, the passing the creativity the sort of you know, guy get into the final third you need Ander Herrera turning that ball over and being simple with it and that's what he's done when he's playing next to Pogba he's won the ball back and given it to either Mkhitaryan ahead of him or Paul Pogba next to him. So I think that relationship is going to explode. But in terms of what we want to hear about, of course, transfers. Everyone's excited by transfers, and that's why this part is called Transfer Talk. So what I said before is either United replace him with a destroyer 
or they place they replace him with a deep lying midfielder, a deep lying playmaker, should I say? So we're going to look through uh, three of each actually uh, in Europe's top five leagues to see who I feel could fit in for Manchester United. In terms of destroyers, got three guys that could fit in. At number one, it's going to be Casemiro. Casemiro will be the perfect man to partner Paul Pogba in central midfield. Had a great loan spell at Porto um, before his return to Real Madrid. That's where he really came alive in European football. For that Porto side, he won more tackles and made more interceptions than any of the Porto player in the Champions League that season. Went back to Real and was made the fulcrum of that central midfield, obviously with um, Modric being the creative player in that and then Tony Cruz in cruise control dictating the play. But a game that obviously stands out is the Champions League final, something that I mentioned before and we'll mention again and again and again. He was perfect in that final. Atletico um, dropped a goal. Real Madrid just decided to sit off and hit on the counter-attack, which played into the Casemiro's hand. They had a brilliant game against Gabri, against Koke, and against Saul uh, in that central zone. He won eight tackles out of his ten, so he won 80% of his tackles. That was more than any other player on the pitch. Made three interceptions. Very, very good for a defensive midfielder. But what was more interesting as well, he only... Um, Sergio Ramos made more clearances than him so he was dropping back when need be in between the centre-backs and sort of becoming a third centre-back getting the ball out when the pressure was really starting to tell and in terms of defensive aerial duels again no player on the pitch won more than him so that Champions League final was a game that really showed Casemiro's influence on the side that season before that final there was a crazy stat where with Casemiro Real Madrid won 83% of their games in the Liga versus around 40% of when he wasn't in the side so he was so pivotal and what he does in that in the, that midfield is he gives that aggression and he allows the likes of Tony Cruz and Luka Modric to play their natural roles and not have to win. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tackles. Paul Scholes, interestingly, said this week that he'd love to see Tony Cruz in, in the Manchester United midfield. I think that'd work if United played a 4-3-3, but we're probably have to sign two players they'd have to get Tony Cruz in there um, who could play that controller role and Paul Pogba would give, be given that licence to play in that final third but they'd have to have a defensive midfielder behind them and unfortunately I don't think Mourinho's going to do that I don't think that he's going to sign two central midfielders in one summer so I feel that Cruz would be the wrong option if United were just looking for one player he's not good enough in terms of uh, being aggressive and winning the ball back 
his strengths are controlling the game his strengths are arriving late in the penalty area his strengths are in an attacking sense not in a defensive sense and that's what United need is a defensive player the player that is going to win that ball back for the attackers and unfortunately I don't think Tony Cruz is but he would be a fantastic addition I'm not saying that he's a bad signing but unfortunately I disagree with Paul Scholes and I don't think he's the perfect man for the job I'd, I'd pick his Real Madrid teammate Casemiro every single day of the week moving on to other destroyers in European football I think we could look inside the Premier League and look to Victor Wanyama player that went under the radar at Southampton but was very pivotal with um, Morgan Schneider in that central midfield and arguably United could have and should have picked up um, Wanyama instead of Morgan Schneider Morgan Schneider came to United hasn't really stepped or didn't step up and then was moved to Everton not good enough against when he gets pressurised wasn't winning the ball back as much as he did at Southampton when he left, left Southampton um, before Southampton so since Southampton sort of got promoted back to Premier League Schneider won more tackles plus interceptions than any other player in the Premier League in central midfield and then when he moved to United that just stopped happening it just came when it fell into his shell like some players do do at big clubs and unfortunately that cost him his career so I think Wanyama would have been a better option we're seeing at Tottenham this season that he's blowing people up go back to the big game against uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City uh, Pochettino won the game I think it was two goals to one but Wanyama was so good in that game one more tackle than any other player but what he did so well was hold central midfield alone Spurs pressed in a diamond they pressed City out the back and that's how they won the game was their press was so high and so aggressive but Wiktanyama had a 1v1 with David Silva destroyed the Spanish international was so good at winning the ball back you go back to the uh, colour of own goal watch that back Victor Wanyama 1v1 with Silva Silva's in a great position just receiving the ball on the half turn could spin past him Victor Wanyama bang wins a tackle wins the ball back and they go forward so that's why Victor Wanyama would, win, would work so well for Manchester United is he can win those tackles but also in terms of ball retention I think his pass accuracy is around 90% this season so he wins the ball keeps it simple and gets United moving 93% in fact is pass accuracy so even better than that 90% Another player that we could look that's slightly different, not exactly a holding midfielder, but very much a destroyer, is Bakayoko over for Monaco. We're going to definitely talk about his teammate uh, in, a, in a little bit uh, in terms of deep line playmakers, that's Fabinho, but Bakayoko could be that destroyer. Playing as more of a shuttler this season, more of an aggressive central midfielder, playing on that left side. I mentioned, I spoke, I spoke quite a lot about uh, Monaco last, on yesterday's podcast. If you want to go and check that out, make sure you, you dive in there. But in terms of what he's done he's used, he uses his size he uses his strength to break up the play but he's a little bit more aggressive he's a little bit higher up the pitch and he's playing on that left centre but left central midfield role which is the same as what Pogba does so the, the, it might not quite work obviously he's a very very good player and could play on the right side could play as more of a holding midfielder but he's the guy that's breaking he's the guy that's dribbling through the opposition he's the guy that's linking that uh, great uh, counter attack that Monaco have so potentially the fit might not be too great for Manchester United right now but he does have the potential he's got the raw potential to be a great uh, Jose Mourinho defensive midfielder but there'd be a bit of tactical work that Mourinho has to do I'm not saying that he can't do that and that relationship in central midfield of two Frenchmen could be perfect Pogba, Bakayoko strength, power, aggression could be a good signing but I'd argue that both Victor Wanyama and Casemiro would be a better fit for Manchester United right now moving on to the deep line playmakers I just need to have a little slop of tea because I am running out of juice in the mouth and I think we've got to talk about uh, three players uh, first up let's talk Koke we've fit in Manchester United quite well has been playing central midfield as I mentioned yesterday again talking Atletico for Atletico Madrid but again would probably suit a three man midfield if United were going to um, play Paul Pogba and Koke I don't think that'd work as a two what he would give you is tackles aggression and playmaking skills delivery from set pieces he's pretty much I I'd liken Koke to the Spanish David Beckham in terms of his delivery from wide areas crossing abilities absolutely fantastic and we'll give United a lot from 
those wide set pieces they've been lacking a little bit you know goals uh, for Mourinho hasn't, haven't really come from set pieces so would you evolve United in that way would fit next to Ronaldo would fit in terms of the Mourinho ethos uh, but would he leave Atletico potentially not you know Simeone maybe moving on so the next sort of the next evolution of this side Koke is going to be the sort of heartbeat of that team but would he fit 100% yes would be a great signing moving on to players that are potentially more achievable William Carvalho over in Portugal I just think he's a fantastic player both um, at the European Under-21 Championships a few seasons ago in the same side as Bernardo Silva pretty much anchored the midfield on his own they played a diamond and he just bossed the show was so good at taking the ball receiving it and giving it to the attackers uh, you know players like uh, Bernardo Silva finding him on either side finding him with balls to feet I think Gelter, Gelson Martins was also in that side you know another top top talent that he that in fact William Carvalho plays in sport with Sporting Lisbon in central midfield in terms of passes completed um, in the Portuguese league only Pizzi's managed more in terms of per game they're both tied on 76.2 passes per game so that's what he'll give you he'll give that ball playing but what's so impressive about Carvalho and what I love about him is his ability to switch the play he's got a great left foot a left foot that is like a cannon it's kind of not your Wayne Rooney crossfield pass that's very arced and quite poor it's flat it's hit with pace and it gets those wide players in areas you know can, can create 1v1s at will you know great goals in a way and it's that flat trajectory that William Carvalho's got in terms of the lot his long balls this season in the Portuguese league he's completed 71% of those long balls so that's a long pass that's a pass over 50 uh, sorry 35 meet, 35 yards which shows his ability and his technique he's also physical he's also you know you all can use that physicality to from deep in midfield to shake out of a press to shake out of someone pressing like someone like Adam Milana that Michael Carrick struggled with this season William Carvalho would easily spin that but he's been heavily linked with Manchester City and apparently he's signed with Pep Guardiola's brother so maybe we'll have to move away to of course Bakayoko's teammate at Monaco and that is Fabinho I think he'd be perfect for Paul Pogba in terms of tackles he's won 59 in Liga this season uh, that's more than any other Monaco player and he breaks up the ball so well and is good at playing the ball out keeping it simple in terms of passes completed more than any Monaco player he's the guy that's dictating the play in the two games I've seen him live Tottenham uh, at Wembley this season Sean stood out so so good at winning the ball back and is you know comfortable at dropping over into that right back spot that's what he did very very well in that game Jemison the other guy covering the left hand side um, against Spurs and also against Arsenal when he was a, more of a right back uh, was thrown in by Yardim to play central midfield I think this was one of the first games that he played there a few seasons ago with Anthony Martial and Dimitar Berbatov but again was so so good at breaking up the play very very aggressive Arsenal had all the ball but him in central midfield just destroyed them when they got near the area he won the ball back got Monaco moving forward so in terms of those players so we have a destroyer Casemiro Wanyama or potentially Bakayoko deep line playmakers Carvalho Koke or of course the main man Fabinho but what I think United need to do they need to evolve the side and Michael Carrick is a player you aren't going to replace a player that sort of plays the recycling role and the ball winning role uh, in midfield but not ball winning uh, in the old school aggressive but more of reading the play and turning it over I think United need to do one thing and that's sign Antoine Griezmann drop Ander Herrera back to defensive midfield Herrera can become sort of the next Michael Carrick in there well, what we've seen him do playing central midfield with Paul Pogba something I mentioned before is distributing the ball but also winning it back 
through interceptions, winning it back through tackles. I think United's midfield shape needs to be in the 4-2-3-1. Herrera sitting next to Paul Pogba, Antoine Griezmann ahead. That is an evolution of this United team. And Mourinho is looking like he's going to the 4-2-3-1. So that's what I feel United should do. This would also give more game time to Fosumenta to come in and potentially partner Paul Pogba in midfield. I know a lot of United fans have been very positive about that partnership. Stephen Alisson being one of them um, who wants to see that. And I'd like to see that as well. A lot of physicality and strength in that central zone. So giving the, the first shot, the first slot, to Ander Herrera being the replacement for Michael Carrick but Fosu Mensa rotating in in the League Cup games potentially um, in certain Premier League games that could be really nice but also Antoine Griezmann at number 10 we know what he can do in a goal scoring uh, situation and it will be an evolution of this Manchester United team over Jose Mourinho so that's what I want United to do is switch their system go guns blazing for Antoine Griezmann don't sign um, a central midfielder if I were, had all the money in the world if I had every single pound in the in the, the English bank or in the World Bank I'd get Antoine Griezmann and I'd get Fabinho to partner Paul Pogba in central midfield but that is probably a little bit too much cash for Mourinho to part with you think probably 50 plus million for Fabinho and of course Griezmann is going to be 100 mil 100 million euros definitely but that is what I would do if I had all the cash in the world but anyway guys in the comments below I want to know who you think United should sign to replace Michael Carrick in the summer there's been some good options there so defensive midfield to break up the play to be the destroyer we've got of course, Casemiro probably unlikely to move from Real Madrid. Wanyama, Bakayoko, deep line playmakers William Carvalho, Koke, Fabinho, all we're looking inside the club. Daily Blind and the Herrera, of course, Fossi Mentor, the young Bel- the young Dutchman. Sorry, who do you think United should bring in to replace Michael Carrick? I want to know who you think. But anyway, before we move on, it's time for a uh, another lovely Rio. No, they haven't got in touch before you ask. Um, any commercial opportunities that anyone wants to sponsor the podcast? Thinking in a serious term, email Dave at the front three. Because I want to give that, get any brands involved that want to be part of the show. You know, we're talking someone like Adidas Faro. If you want to send me anything, any clothes, any hair product, just do it. And you'll uh, get a great shout out. But anyway, moving on to... Some Europa League preview. So Manchester United versus Saint-Étienne on Wednesday night uh, because Lyon have to play at home, I do believe, on the Thursday. Uh, a quick little preview there. Manchester United you know, going into the game three goals to nil up. Zlatan Ibrahimovic obviously grabbing a hat-trick in the first leg. Zlatan, in fact, has scored 17 goals against Saint-Étienne. That's more than any other side that he has scored against in his career. That is five more than Palermo, who's sitting second in the Zlatan Ibrahimovic killing list. But anyway, moving on into the side, I want to see pace. I want to see a good United team. I'd line up with David De Gea in goal, Valencia, Blind, Smalling, uh, Bay as the back four, into midfield, Carrick, Pogba, three behind Zlatan of Mata, Mickey, Martial. I think that's got pace, that's got potential. United looked quite poor against uh, Saint-Étienne in spells. Harumas, uh, Henri Savant caused uh, the United back four a lot of problems. But I think when United brought that pace on, they looked a lot better. And that's why I want to see Henrik Mkhitaryan at number 10 from the start. No Maro and Fellaini for me. But that's my uh, little preview for the Saint-Étienne game. Moving on to the Champions League. So we've got Porto versus Juve. Of course, the big thing for Juve is they're going to be without Benucci following that um, internal disciplinary action that I spoke about in the news section. So I imagine Benatia to come in to partner Agani. Spoke a lot about Juve this season. I've been very positive about their uh, you know Champions League credentials this year. They're playing that four-two-three-one with Pjanic, uh, Kadira in central midfield. But they, that front four is looking hot. Um, Mandzukic on that left wing, Dybala at number ten, Corsquadrado on the right, and. Gonzalo goals through the middle Gonzalo Higuain was signed to win the Champions League and I fully expect him to explode and destroy Porto uh, in the Champions League I'm going to go two goals to one to Juve one player you've got to watch out for um, 
for Porto's courses, Andre Silva, the top scoring under twenty three under 21 year old in the Champions League this season with four goals scored a cracking hat trick he's going to he's on in the road to stardom and it's finally the guy to replace Pauletta in the national team setup. so let's finish off with a little bit of Sevilla versus Leicester City in the Champions League Leicester City have been very very poor this season haven't evolved their side following the loss of Nguro Kante their midfield has been iffy Danny Drinkwater doesn't look like the same player they've been that he was last season really missing his partner in there indeed he's come in looked half decent in, in the last weeks but they really miss him they potentially should have switched to a three man midfield in the summer and they should have looked for two players to replace Kante's work rate determination and just all round ability to play two positions Jamie Vardy's been misfiring Mares has looked very very poor but they've looked better in the Champions League Mares Vardy actually turning up for that competition they topped their group and went, went through um, very very well in terms of what they're going to come up against uh, against Sevilla is, is a very hungry team under Sampaoli uh, fantastic manager you know won the um Copper America with Chile. What he's done, what he's done with this Sevilla team is he's made them intense. He's made them high press. You know, Unai Emery was more of defensive counter attacking manager. Team was very organised. And what this team now is is explosive. They play a three five two. They play a three six one. They play a four two three one. They play a four one one four one. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what the Argentinian manager is going to do do against Leicester City. But tactically, will destroy Ranieri. Unfortunately, you know, key players in there. Vitola is one of my favourite players in Europe's top five leagues. Um, over the last few seasons, I've got. A lovely lazy dribbling style I love players that have that lazy easy on the eye dribbling style and he's one of those guys in terms of take-ons in La Liga this season only Messi and Neymar have managed more expect him to put a shift in but also look very very good on the counter-attack um, other players obviously ex Premier League stars in Zonzi and Nazari Nazari uh, sort of evolved again um, you know struggled at Manchester City was very very good at Arsenal but now he's gone back to his ball pl- playing days been breaking records for Sevilla but completed more passes than any other Sevilla has managed in the last few seasons in a single game earlier on the year I think it was 120 odd passes uh, so he's been the heartbeat in there um, in Zonzi's done very good at breaking the play up and 29 years old finally becoming a mature player great at destroying great at breaking the ball out and then and getting it forward for the players thought he was fantastic against Real Madrid earlier on the season a game that Zinedine Zidane got tactically outclassed tried to switch to a 3-5-2 and unfortunately Sampoli had switched to a 4-2-3-1 and just blew him away tactically uh, ending Real Madrid's historic 40 game unbeaten streak other players you want to look out for in this Sevilla side obviously Hassim uh, Benyetta ex-futsal player started playing football when he was about 23 years old was at Toulouse for a while has finally taken that step up and is their top scorer in La Liga this season small good at finishing you know give him a yard in the penalty area put the ball into that back of the net and I fully expect this Sevilla team to give Leicester City an absolute battering I'm going to go 3-1 to Sevilla and unfortunately Leicester City has bye-bye for you in the Champions League but that's been that for today, guys. Remember in the comments who you think United should uh, sign to replace Michael Carrick or look internally in the club to replace the uh, absolute, you know, United stalwart, heartbeat of their side for so many years with Paul Scholes. But anyway, I want to get also get your score predictions in for today's Champions League ties. Make sure you check out the podcast on Acast, on iTunes, and of course, watch it on YouTube. But anyway, till tomorrow, see you guys there where we're going to talk team of the week, but also recap on uh, the Champions League ties between Monaco, Manchester City, and of course, Bayer Leverkusen versus Atletico. Till tomorrow. Au revoir. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.